You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. This week, Pastor Aaron shares his message on fighting scared. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Grab your Bibles and turn them to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, and we've been on a, around a six-month series now about moving forward. And uh, we've taken different meanderings and pathways in that topic. Um, but we've been discussing this idea of how do we stay in constant growth and pursuit in the Lord? Uh, I believe and we believe as a senior leadership team here that we need to be a church that's regularly growing in the Lord. Uh, that our pursuit of him should never stop. And too often we have areas in our lives where we become stagnant, where we allow fear to hold us back, uh, where we uh, do not grow, but rather we stay stuck. Uh, we allow maybe religious spirits or fear or worry or stress to cause us to stay stuck in things rather than progressing through and growing in the Lord. And so today I want to look at this story here in Judges chapter 6 that's about Gideon. And uh, we're going to pick up this story uh, after the Israelites have kind of been in captivity, if you will, to the Midianites. Uh, and Midian has come in and they've been basically, every time that Gideon and the Israelites, they would sow their crops, the Midianite army would come in and they would steal all their harvest. They'd take it all away. They basically were in bondage to Midian and the army. And uh, we pick up this story with Gideon in Judges chapter 6, and we find him in a wine press threshing wheat, something you should not be doing in a wine press. And in uh, verse 11 it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Everybody say, mighty warrior. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon said. Hold on. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, get in reply, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, most of us know how the rest of the story progresses. We know Gideon gets his mighty men of 300. They go get their bazookas and AK-47s, and they destroy the Midianite army. Hey, actually, they use torches and trumpets. What every general would love to have when they go to war. And oftentimes preachers will get up there and they'll use that analogy to say, man, God wants to use the things that you never thought possible. He wants to use the unqualified and to get you there and he's going to fight for you. And it's an amazing illustration and story about how God wants to supernaturally use areas in your life, things in your life, qualities in your life that you've discredited, but he can use those things to defeat the enemy. As an illustration, my son um, and our family, we were going to be going to uh, Robin Marlise's house up the river, and they have, they have a man-made pond. And uh, my son has never gone fishing before because I hate fishing. Because fishing is boring. Because you throw something out, you wait for three hours, and you get nothing. And I'm like, who got time for that? I'll go to the store and buy a fish. It's quicker, and it tastes better. And so Rob's like, hey, come to my man-made pond. It's guaranteed catching. You will not leave unsatisfied. 
It's just like a four-year-old in soccer. You get a trophy every time. So my son, he's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to get a fish. So we go there. Rob gets the, the line ready, puts the hook on the line. Israel casts the first line, and it's beautiful. It's perfect, right? It just flies through the air, and in about five seconds, a fish is on the hook. He reels it in, he gets the fish on there, and now he's hooked. He's like, come on, I want to do this again. Like, he's excited to go fishing. I'm like, get it all out, because the next time you go fishing, it's not going to be this easy. You'll be in the Columbia River for three hours and get nothing and think, why the heck did I do this? So enjoy this moment. So he throws out the next line, puts a hook in the water. All of a sudden, a fish bites, and he starts reeling it in. As it gets closer to shore, we notice there's something unique about this catch, though. It gets a little closer, and all of a sudden... He threw out one hook, and he got two fish with one hook. Now, in that moment, my prophetic ears are attentive. I'm like, that's the glory of God shining on my son. Boy, you're going to throw out a hook, and you're going to get two men with every prophetic word. Like the, the sky parted, a beam of light shone on my son, and I'm like, the angels are singing. My son is going to be an amazing warrior for Jesus. It's a prophetic sign. A fish swallowed the weight. A fish swallowed the weight. One was on the hook and one was on the weight. Probably the first time that's ever happened. Rob never seen it before. I've never seen it before, obviously, because I've gone twice in my life. But he got a fish on the weight of the, of the line. And as, I, as we were driving home like Israel, this is just like Gideon, where Gideon uses things to get victory in ways that we never thought possible. Or we see with Jericho how people use their voices and shout and the walls come down. Or how Moses raises out his staff and the walls part. Or as my son Israel goes fishing and he catches a fish with a weight. Sometimes God uses other means to bring about a victory than what, think he, what we think he will. And this is how most people describe this story. This is generally the part we focus on. But oftentimes we forget about the first part. What led up to that amazing miracle where Gideon and the 300 defeated the Midianites. And see, at the beginning of the story, we have Gideon, who's vastly afraid. He's so scared. He's there in the wine press, threshing wheat, a place that he probably never wanted to be scared where he's going to get his next meal. And this is what I want to focus on today, is that oftentimes we find ourselves, we're fighting scared. We're fighting afraid of what could be happening. And too often, fear prevents us from taking a step forward. Fear pre prevents us from going forward with God. And we, we begin to allow our environment and we allow our circumstances, we allow the decisions maybe that have been made just become normal. This is how it's always gonna be. I'm just gonna manage it this way. I'd love to not have to do this in the wine press. I'd love for my marriage to not be this way. I'd love for my finance to not be this way, but this is just how it is. I'm just gonna create a way to tolerate it and get through and get by just the way that things are. And this is where Gideon is at this moment. He's in the wine press, just getting by, trying to survive, full of fear, full of worry. And I love in this moment because it says the angel of the Lord just went and sat down under the tree. I got to tell you, every time you're stressed and worried about life, every time you think there's no hope or no way, you want to know what Jesus is doing at that moment? He's resting. He's resting. The moment that you get freaked out, the moment you think there's no way, you want to know what God's doing at that moment? He's just resting under the yoke. He's just, he's relaxed. It's like Jesus in the boat when the storm's all around. The disciples are going to think, I'm going to die. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. When you are most afraid, you want to know what Jesus is doing? He's resting. He's resting. See, the Israelites are freaked out right now because every time they plant 
their crop. It's time for harvest. That's when the, the enemy comes in. And as I was reading this story, I felt like the God, that God wanted to prophesy over some of you today to say, you've been in a season of your life where you've been planting seed, waiting for the harvest to come. You've been making strides in your finances, beginning to steward, beginning to do things, and you're about ready to receive the harvest. But every time that is about to happen, the enemy comes in and steals it from you. I just got my finances in order, and then all of a sudden that, that unexpected bill came in. I was just about ready to see a change in my child, and all of a sudden that thing happened to them, and it, it wrecked the whole, the whole process. I believe that the Lord is going to be doing something this morning in many of your lives where that harvest is no longer going to be stolen by the enemy, but you're going to begin to receive that harvest that has been stolen time and time and time again. That today is the day where the enemy is removed from your land and you begin to receive your harvest. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of watching the enemy steal my harvest. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I want my harvest. And here's Gideon, frustrated, afraid, irritated, and here comes the angel of the Lord. And I want to go through each verse in this passage and dissect what I believe many of us can learn from. And at the beginning in verse 12, if you would put that up there in verse 12, it talks about how the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon in verse 12 and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon does not look like a mighty warrior at this moment. He's scared, he's afraid, he's in the wine press threshing wheat, worried whether he's gonna get his next meal. Worried whether he's even gonna survive another day. And God comes to him and says, what's up, mighty warrior? And I'm reading this and I'm like, God, you must be blind because this guy is not a mighty warrior. He doesn't look like one, he's not acting like one. There's no way that he is a mighty warrior. But see, this is what God does. When we think we're unqualified, when we think we've got nothing left, when we think we'll never amount to what he's called us to be, he looks at us and he says, you may not believe in yourself, but I never stopped believing in you. You never thought you could make a difference, but I believe in you. Never, you never thought you had the words to say, but I will give you the words. You want to know why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. Come on, that's worthy about getting excited about. You're a mighty warrior. Y'all sitting there like, amen. No, you want to know what a mighty warrior would do? That's right. I'm a mighty warrior. I'm a mighty warrior. Let me tell you what a mighty warrior looks like. It looks like somebody who's going to get out of the wine press and say, I'm tired of being stuck where I'm at. I'm going to move forward. God will oftentimes call you out. You'll be stuck there for a season after season after season, cycling through the same issues, the same fear, the same problem, the same sin. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get out of this. God, won't you do something? You know what? He comes to you and says, what's up, mighty warrior? What's up, mighty warrior? You're like, me? And this is Gideon's response to him in verse 13. He says, really? I'm a mighty warrior? But if the Lord is with me, why has all this happened to me? Where are all the miracles that I've been hearing about? I'm not a mighty warrior. I don't know what you're talking about. I shared this story uh, uh, six months ago or so, but last year, uh, our church was, was really growing. My wife and I, our schedule was getting crazy, and I was just feeling overwhelmed. I was like, man, I, I cannot, I can't sustain this. I, I was really feeling like, man, I don't have what it takes. Uh, I don't feel like I got the, the right qualities or the right education or the right depth to be able to keep doing what we're doing. I was just like, man, God, you got the wrong guy. And I was calling a pastor in Seattle and just kind of like looking for a shoulder to cry on, like, God. Guys, you got you to gotta help me. Like, I, I feel like I need to find a way out. And um, 
he just like almost reached through the phone and slapped me in the face. And he was like, you're a mighty warrior. Shut up. You're going to be just fine. Where God has placed you, believe in it because he is with you. He's like, you know what, Aaron, you're right. You don't have what it takes. But you know what? God is with you and you're a mighty warrior. So stop allowing fear from holding you back and start believing in yourself. And this is what many of us do all the time. We've got fear in our lives. We've got worry in our lives. We're like, oh, this is terrible. It's so bad. And God looks at you and he's like, what's that mighty warrior? And you're like, what? Me? Can't be. And Gideon replies and says, really? If you're with me, then why has all this happened? Where are all these psalms that I've heard about? Man, this question, why, will ruin your life. Why, God? Come on, who here can be honest and say, you've been asking why in different seasons of your life? Why? The why of life has held you back. Why, God? Why did that happen? It didn't happen to those other people. Why did it happen to me? Why is it happening in my marriage? Why did it happen to my kids? Why did it happen? I remember about three years ago, my wife gave birth to a stillborn baby, Zion. Healthy baby. My wife was very healthy. We go into the hospital, C-section. Baby comes out. is dead. Do an autopsy. There's no reason why our baby died. They can't figure it out. They, they basically tell us we have no idea. It just happened. And I remember for months, we were just like, man, what? God, why did this happen? God, I've seen miracles happen when I've prayed for other people. Why couldn't it happen with my baby? God, what did we do wrong? God, why? God, if you're the healer, then why? And I remember the Lord just came to me and he's like, Aaron, I'm gonna take that question mark and I'm gonna give you a period. You do not need to know why. My ways are higher than your ways. And here's the good news, is I have never left you and I've never forsaken you. And I refuse to allow my environment or my circumstances to dictate my theology. I refuse to allow what I go through to define what is truth. I know what truth is, and truth does not change. And my God is good, and he is a healer. And why does he heal some people when I pray for him, but he doesn't heal my baby? I don't know, but it doesn't change the fact of this, is that he is good all the time, and he is a healer. It doesn't change. My why cannot change my theology. God, why does this happen to me? I don't know. We may never know. But your why cannot dictate the rest of your life. You've got to put a period at the end of that sentence and say, it doesn't make sense to me, but God, I'm going to trust you. God, it, it doesn't happen to other people, but I'm still going to trust you. Your why needs a period. End it. End that why. End that question. Say, God, I'm going to choose to trust you, whether it makes sense to me or not. Lean not on my own understandings, but in all my ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct my paths. I don't always understand. And here's Gideon being like, where are all my miracles? I've read about them. Where are they in my life? And I love the Lord's response to him. Go to the next verse. In verse 14, the Lord responds to him and he says, you want to know where all your miracles are? Go. But God, where have you been? Go. That doesn't quite sound like the answer Gideon was hoping for. He wanted an explanation. But here's God giving us a great picture where we are, many of us in our lives, we're like, God, why am I stuck here? Why am I here? Why haven't you done anything? When are all these miracles going to happen? And you know what his answer to you is? Go. Go. Go forward. Move. 
Get out of the place you're in and move forward. And you're like, but God, I don't have any strength. I'm so tired. He says, in what strength you have, go. I will make up the difference. But God, I don't have what it takes. I don't know what to do. Go. Many of you have been stuck in a season of your lives. You've been in a marriage that has been facing challenges year after year after year. You've been wanting to live for Jesus and be bold for him, but you continue to be held back and restricted. You've been wanting to take that risk in your life or do this thing in your finances or take that next step with your children, but you choose not to do it. And the whole time you're standing there and you're like, God, where are you? And his answer to you is go. And you're like, God, I thought you would do it. See, Jesus did it for you on the cross. And now he's waiting for you to do your part. In the Bible, in Psalms 23, a verse we know very well says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. We love that verse. But so often, many of us, if we're being very honest, we make camp in that valley. We go walking through that valley. We can't wait to get to the other side. And then all of a sudden, we get tired. We get weary. And we're like, you know, this looks like a good place to set up camp. We put camp and relax place we were never supposed to be. And then after some time, we forget that we're supposed to keep progressing through. And now what we start to do is we blame God for it. God, where yet? Where are all these miracles that we were waiting to see? Where, where have you been? He's like, I never left, bro. But you got to get up and move forward. You want to see the miracles in your life? You want to see the breakthrough? Go. Go. If I could scream at that to you for the next hour, I would. Go. Move forward. We are professionals at blaming God for our problems. We are professionals. And I believe that many of you, the answer for your issues, the answers for your breakthrough are on the other end of you saying yes to go. Go. But God, I don't have what it takes. He's like, perfect. I know you don't. That's why I'm with you. But God, I'm too unqualified. I know you are, but I'm with you. God is a masterful at choosing the unqualified. He actually looks for them. So if you're standing there and you're saying, but God, I don't have what it takes, he's like, perfect. That's why I've chosen you. That's why I've chosen you. See, we we create these things like all these excuses to the Lord. There is no excuse for who he is. He is greater than every excuse you got. And this is the response of most of you right now when I tell you to go because every single one of you in those areas of your lives that you know you need to begin to move forward and you all know the next step you need to take. I don't need to give you a litany of things that you need to do. If your marriage is struggling, you want to know what the answer is, it's you. You need to die, not your spouse. If you want to know what the issue is to improving your children, it's not your children's problem. You need to change as the parent. If the issue is with God, uh, God, you got to give me boldness to talk to people about Jesus. You know what needs to happen. You need to change. You need to start talking and the boldness will come. You're the problem. You go. Come on, that should be the title of this message. You're the problem. And I can say that to you because I say it to myself. I'm sitting there like, God, why won't more miracles happen through my life? He's like, because you're not praying enough. Go pray more for people and you'll see more miracles. Go. And this is Gideon's response, which is probably like many of yours right now. And he says, you can put up that next verse. And he says, but God, I come from the weakest of tribes and I'm the least in my tribe. I'm the weakest and I'm the least. How could you use me? How could you use me? And he's like, I know you are. That's why I want you. That's why I want you. You're uneducated, perfect. You don't know much about the word, great. You don't know much about how to prophesy, that's okay. You don't know how to run your finances, that's okay. You know what, you will, because I'm with you. 
but you've got to take that step. We wait to have everything put together before we move forward. Then you'll be waiting your whole life. You will never be prepared fully for moving forward. You must take that step. And as you step forward, the breakthrough comes. As you take that step, all of a sudden, the Lord comes upon you and fills you, and you see things change. We like to make excuses like uh, the extroverts are the only ones that are supposed to be evangelists, and the introverts are supposed to be the administrators and the intercessors. Like we come up with these slogans in our heart that says, well, that's just not me, that's for everybody else. And we, we excuse ourselves away based upon some ridiculous theology that makes us feel better about not doing something. Am I right? Can we be honest and shake our heads and say, yeah, I've thought that. Yeah, I don't have what it takes. That's not in scripture, in case you were wondering, that if you're breathing and you know Jesus, you're called by God to actually open your mouth and tell people about him. That you're called by God to be a light for him in your workplace. You're called by God to be a light to your neighbors. Whether you know the word, whether you've ever preached a message, whether you can play an instrument, whether you've been a Christian for two months, you're called by God to be a light to the world because you have the answer inside of you. It doesn't matter your personality type, doesn't matter your history, doesn't matter your mistakes. You're called by God to be a light to the world. Your excuses are void because he is with you. Excuses are gone. He's with you. And God says, I'm going to use you. In the next verse, he says, well, I'm going to use you to save Israel because I'm with you. And then God tells him to do this. He says, I want you to go destroy all the idols of Baal and tear down the Asherah pole. And then I'm going to fill you. See, if you want to move forward, the first thing that you need to do when you move forward is tear down the idols in your lives. Taking a step without surrendering to the Lord will result in nothing. Amen. That felt good, right? Yeah. Taking a step to move forward in the Lord without surrendering yourself to him will result in just activity and not breakthrough. Activity oftentimes feels like we're accomplishing something, but in reality, nothing is happening. We're spinning our wheels because you're not surrendering. So if you're sitting there saying like, I keep moving forward, but I'm still looking at pornography all the time. I'm, I keep moving forward, but my finances are changing. I keep moving forward, but not seeing breakthrough as I talk to people like Jesus. I just don't have faith. I just don't have boldness for God. I don't know what's happening. My kids aren't changing. You want to know why? Because you probably got idols in your life. You got to tear down the idols. That oftentimes looks like drastic measures in your life. I don't have time to read it, but the people wanted to kill Gideon because he teared, teared down all the idols. It's not popular often to tear down your idols. It might look like canceling your television. It might look like deleting social media. It might look like not doing a hobby so you can spend more time with your family. It might look like reading your Bible and getting up extra early and spending time with the Lord. You've got to actually tear down the idols in your life if you expect victory to come. It says when he tore down the idols, then the Spirit of God came inside of him. And it says that the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. Think about that for a moment. The Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. It's like Gideon was his, his clothing. If you want the Holy Spirit to not just fill you, but wrap himself with you, you've got to not only move forward, but cleanse yourself of the idols in your life. 
He won't have a place in there if you just move forward with activity but never surrender your life to him. Don't, don't confuse activity with surrender because we got a lot of believers who think they're doing a lot of great things for God, but at the end of the day, they're gonna be the people that God's gonna say, you cast out demons in my name, you prophesied in my name, but I never knew you. You had activity, but I never knew you. I never had your heart. So don't confuse activity. Don't confuse moving forward with surrender because they are very different. You must have both. You must have both. Will you actually surrender your life to the Lord? Or will you just say, I'll take steps, but I'm not willing to actually make you Lord of my life. So God says, great, tore down the idols. The Holy Spirit filled them. He said, now go build an army. So Gideon went and got 32,000 people to fight an army that was more vast than the sea, sand on the sea. 32,000 men, and God says, that's too many. Because if you win this battle, it's gonna be because of you and not because of me. So ask everybody if they're afraid to go. So 22,000 people leave. 32, 22,000 people leave. Now he's left with 10,000 people to fight. And God says, nah, still too many, too many. Take them down to the water, and I'm going to have some people leave. And whoever bends down to drink at the water and, and laps up like a dog and, and puts their head down at the water, I want you to send those home. Whoever brings the water up and cups it in their hand, I want you to keep them. And I asked the Lord, I was like, God, what are you trying to say with, with what happened here in the story? He said, I had to send home everybody who had a downward vision. Everybody who only saw the need that they had and couldn't ever see the calling I had set before them. Every person who was fixated on only meeting their desires and never on what I asked them to do. Those people I couldn't choose because they could never see what I was asking them to do. I needed people who could bring it up and while they were focused on meeting their needs, they were equally as focused as what God had called them to do. They could see not only down, but they could see up. Downward vision will keep you stagnant for your life. He's looking for people who can multitask in the spirit to say, I will be the best I am at my job. I know it's not what I'm called to do right now, but I will be the best that I'll focus on my need while I can also focus on what I'm called to do. God's looking for people who become excellent where they're planted. Maybe that's not where they know they want to be, but I'm going to do the best I can where I'm at and still look ahead to where I'm going. He's looking for people like that, and you need to surround yourself with people like that. God said, you can't go fight this army until you get people around you who know what they're called to do, not just what they need. Too often we're focused on just meeting our needs and we forget about what we're called to do. I hear from people all the time, man, I've just become so focused on just, you know, paying, paying my bills and raising my kids and taking them to soccer practice and, you know, trying to take vacations, all great things. But those are all things you need. And we can get so focused on just meeting my need, meeting my need, getting busy with life and doing things that we forget to look ahead. I'm suspect to this as well. I can become so focused on pastoring a church and working and trying, to, and trying to raise a family and being busy and trying to be a good husband and a good father that I forget that I'm called to change the world. I gotta think bigger than Woodland. I gotta think bigger than my own family. I gotta think bigger than my block. I gotta think bigger because God's with me. And all I need is just him with me and I can defeat an army of hundreds of thousands of people. But we can become so fixated. So now Gideon's left with 300 people. And God says to him, you scared? <laughs> Gideon's like, yep, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Many of you are there right now, and you're like, yep, I'm scared. I'm scared of what God's asking me to do. And this is what God says to him. He's like, perfect, I'm going to encourage you. You want to know where you're going to find your encouragement? In the enemy's camp. So sneak down into the enemy's camp. Be quiet so you don't get your head chopped off, but sneak down into the enemy's camp. 
And so Gideon goes down there with his, with his servant and they, they get next to a tent and they begin to listen. And one of the Midianite soldiers has a dream and he's telling his friend and he's saying, I had a dream and I saw a loaf of barley come from the heavens and fall down and pulverize all the Midianite army. And his friend looks at him and he says, that's not a loaf of barley. That's Gideon and the sword of the Lord. And Gideon's there and he's like, that's right. That's me. That's me. I'm a mighty warrior. That's who I am. I might not feel like one right now, but my enemy thinks I am, so I am one. And I feel like some of you are here today and you need to be reminded about what the devil thinks about you. He is freaked out because you are with the Lord and he's with you. You're a mighty warrior and you're full of power. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and there's nothing he can do to stop you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I believe that God wants to raise up an army of people who say, I'm not going to live by fear, but I'm going to rise up above my fear. I'm going to remember that God is with me and I'm capable and able to do everything that God has called me to do. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to live loud and I'm going to be a light to the world. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm a mighty warrior. That's who I am. That's who you are. I don't care whether you're 90 or you're 9. You're a mighty warrior. Act like one. Stop staying in that wine press trying to thresh your wheat. You don't belong there. Get out of that wine press and move forward. And I love this. Gideon, <laughs> Gideon hears this story. And in Judges 7, 15 to 18, it says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and called out and said, get up. Get up, everybody. This is a man who was just scared. And I was like, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me. Watch me. You want to know how to do this? Watch me. I'll show you. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of camp, do as exactly as I do. God's looking for people who aren't just going to be followers, who are going to be leaders. You want to know how we see a region come to know Jesus is when we stop being a, a group of followers and start being a group of leaders. That look around and say, you know what? Follow me. I'm a warrior. I might not look like it. I might look tired. I might look weak. But God is with me and I'm capable to do anything because he is my God and he is greater than any obstacle. But you've got to go. You've got to move forward. All of your excuses are dead. They're dead. Let me just stare in every single one of your eyes. They're dead. They mean nothing. You're not too weak. You're not, some of you are closing your eyes. You're like, I'm going to look at you. You're not too weak. You're not too small. You're not too insignificant. You want to know why? Because he's with you. Stop waiting for the Lord to fix your problems. When you move forward, it will come. Wait and see. Wait. I'm there for a long time. I'm just keep waiting. God, you're going to just do. No. Go. But God, I'm tired. That's okay. I'll make up the difference. And what little strength that you have left, just go. Just go. Just like Pat and Katrina going across the river, planting a church, fighting scared. Oftentimes through this journey with them, we've sat down and we've been like, man, I don't know if we're going to have enough money to do this. I don't know if we're going to have enough people to do this. And man, it seems like a big mountain to climb. But God, you keep telling me to keep moving forward. So God, I'm going to go. 
I'm not going to die. I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And as you keep moving forward, all of a sudden breakthrough comes. All of a but if he just sat there and said, God, when you send me the people and you send me the money, then I'll go, he'd be waiting a long time to start a church. He says, no, I'll go. I'm by myself, just me and my family. That's okay. We'll do it. But as I move forward, then the breakthrough comes. As I move forward, I see the enemy defeated. And you know what? Every time he goes over there to St. Helens, he keeps hearing the report of the enemy like, oh, shoot, Pat's coming to town. We're about ready to get defeated. That's what the enemy's saying about you today. Oh, man, I don't know if I can, I can take it if Michael starts getting up and acting like a warrior. I don't know if I can take it if Katie starts acting like a warrior. I don't know if I can take it if Pat all of a sudden rises up and go to plants and church. I don't know if I can take it if Rachel all of a sudden decides I'm going to do something with my. I don't know if I can take it. And the devil's scared of you. God knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. Do you. You're a mighty warrior. That's who you are. Will you believe it? And will you actually go? Will you go? Ask yourself that question right now. Will I go? Oftentimes we look at our life and say, this is just the way it's going to be. I refuse that. Every time I face something that is an issue in my life, I refuse to accept it. Because my God is greater and bigger than every issue I face. I'm I got tenacity to give away. <laughs> if you need it, just rub shoulders with me. I face a problem, I'm like, good. It's just an opportunity for God to look powerful. Some of you all just need to start acting like a mighty warrior. Get your sword out, look at it, it's all shiny, it's all strong. Look beside yourself and you see the power of God next to you and you're like, bring it on, devil. You're a warrior, act like it. Be confident, be bold. When you come into church on a Sunday morning, don't come into church like, oh God, I just need you to be like, that's right. You want to know what fighting scared means? I didn't say this first, first service. Fighting scared for me looks like this. Oftentimes, I'm believing for big things with the church. And I'm like, I come up here and I stand before you and I'm like, God's going to do it. He's going to do amazing things. And everybody in this city is going to be saved. And then I go home and I'm like, oh, dear God, please, Lord. <laughs> like, God, we need your glory. I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. Oh, but God, I just know that you want to you wanna use me. Somehow, God, you chose me. You chose this church. You chose Woodland. Why did you choose us? I don't know. But God, you chose us. God, I just, I'm desperate for you. I'm just desperate for you. And I'm like, God, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of worried. I don't know how it's going to work. Because God, I need you to show up by myself. I can't do anything. So God, you've got to do it on your own. And then I go to bed and I wake up the next morning. And I'm like, devil, be prepared to get your head knocked in today. Because God just empowered me. I might be fighting scared, but that's okay. I'm moving forward. He's looking for people. You may be scared. Join the club. You want to know why sometimes you're fighting scared? Because you're at the tip of the spear. Maybe it's the tip of your spear for your family. Maybe it's the tip of your spear for your job or for your city. Bring it on. I'll be the first one to cut the heart of the devil. I'll do that. And you want to know what I'm saying? Follow me. Follow me. Do exactly what I do. Follow me. Will you do that today? Will you do that for your family? Kids, follow me. Follow my example. I'm tired of parents who are like, I just hope my kids love the Lord and pursue the Lord. And they, they see miracles. And I'm like, well, they won't probably do it if you don't do it. Be parents who create the example for your children. I'm tired of seeing people be like, I just hope I'm praying for my job, people in my job to be saved and my employees I work with to be saved. You want to know how they're going to get saved? Through you. What are you going to do? Lead. Be the example. 
All right, I'm done yelling at you. Why don't you guys stand? I yelled with a smile this morning. I want to pray for, I want to pray for you this morning, and I felt, I felt like specifically there's, there's people here who you need to be activated. You need to be activated and know that you're a mighty warrior. And I want you to do this. If you feel like you do not feel like a mighty warrior right now, you've been stuck in that wine press, and you're like, I don't see it. I feel weak. I feel tired. I don't have strength. God, I don't see what you see in me. I don't even believe in myself. How can you believe in me? You need to know that you're a mighty warrior. I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to come forward. And I believe that this morning you're going to be activated to be a mighty warrior for Jesus. If that's you, come forward right now. I need to be a mighty warrior. I'm tired of staying in that wine press. Oh, come on. There's more of you. If you feel like, let me, let me quant- qualify what this looks like. If you're there and you're saying, I don't know if I can tell people about Jesus every day of my life, you should be up in the front right now because you're a mighty warrior. And you're like, wow, that sounds extreme. That's the gospel. I would be up front right now if I were you. I want to be activated. I'm a mighty warrior. Come on. Who here is saying I need to be a mighty warrior? I need to be a mighty warrior. I want to be an acti- activated for Jesus. I'm tired of being in that wine press. <laughs> oh, if I could just grab your heart and thump it. Make it come alive. I want to be a church of people who are mighty warriors. Lights in dark places. I will not live with a muzzle any longer. I'm a mighty warrior. I'm tired of being silent. I want to move forward. I want to go. And this is what I do so often in my life, as I see areas in my life where I'm moving forward. But then there's that one. There's that one that I'm like, that's not me. God, I know if I do everything else, I know you're going to be fine with me. I don't need to focus on that area. It's that one area that's holding everything back. It's that one idol in your life that's holding everything back. And I believe that this morning that God wants to just shake something inside of you to say, you're a mighty warrior. Act like it. It's that grit your teeth. It's that anger in your eyes towards the devil to say, how dare you steal my harvest? How dare you try to steal my marriage? How dare you try to come against my children? How dare you come against the youth in my city? This is my city. This is my region. You're not going to touch my kids. How dare you come and try to affect the economics of my city? This is my city. You're not coming into my family. That warrior spirit to like, I see the enemy and I just want to kill him. God wants to activate you today to say, I've called you. I've chosen you. Those whys and those questions, God, why has this happened to me? I believe God right now sovereignly is going to come in and he's going to put a period next to those question marks. Why did I have that kid? Why, why did that issue come? God, why did, why did I get married and face those challenges? Why did why that business get removed from me? Why, why did I fail in that? Why, why, God, why did this happen? Why aren't those miracles happening? I believe that today a period is going to be put there. And I believe peace is going to come into your life. I believe that this morning that many of you have been held back because there's been idols in your lives. And this morning, right now, you need to actually go and tear down those idols. When you leave church today, you need to go tear down those idols. I've been tearing down idols in my life lately, and it feels so good. You've got to get idols out of your life. 
I want to do this first. If you're here this morning and you got to be bold and you're saying, man, I've been doing a lot of activity, but I'm just spinning my wheels because I have idols in my life. I just want you to raise your hands. I want to pray for you first. If you got idols in your life and say, man, I'm, I'm, it feels like I'm looking the part, but I'm not actually going anywhere. I want to pray for you. God, every person right now who has idols in their lives, who's raising their hands, God, I ask that you you empower them and you strengthen them to tear them down in the name of Jesus. Idols torn down in the name of Jesus. God, the moment that they leave, they would go right to those idols and remove them. Some of you, it's a relationship in your life. Some of you, it's money. Some of you, it's a hobby. Some of you, it's, it's fear over an area or it's pride in an area. It's time to remove those idols in your life. And I will be bold enough to say this. Some of you, the idol in your life is when I ask you to come forward and I say that you, many of you should come. An idol in your life is to resist that. Some of you in your chairs right now, that's your idol. Your idol's resisting the Lord. It's pride. That's not me. I don't need to act that way. I mean, I feel that so strongly right now. Some of you are sitting there and you're judging me. You're thinking, how dare you? I don't need to do that. You're manipulating me. No, I'm giving you an opportunity to encounter the Lord. And God wants to use you. Quit resisting. And I, feel like, I believe that today, I believe that today is your moment. You don't need to come forward right now, but I encourage you to go before the Lord to say, God, search my heart. Search my heart. I do this every day. I sit before the Lord and say, God, if there be any wicked in me, show me. Search my heart. Father, every person who has idols in their lives, in the name of Jesus, we break down those idols right now. God, we want to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Idols, be removed. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them endurance. Help them be steadfast. Tearing down an idol is only as good as unless you if you don't put it back up again. It's easy to quit pornography for a day. Can you do it for the rest of your life? It's easy to not live in fear for a day, but can you do it for the rest of your life? God, we do it, we tear them down, and we walk away from it never to revisit that place again. Never to revisit that place again. Those people right now who have idols in their lives with question marks, well, God, why? Why? Bring peace right now. Bring peace right now. God, we choose to trust you. We don't understand. Just as Katie was sharing this morning about her mom dying, why? Why? You can spend the rest of your life asking the question why. God, we just say, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust you. And Lord, every person that came forward to say, I want to be activated right now, I ask for an activation in their hearts to say, choose me. God, I'm willing. I might not feel qualified. I might not feel fearless. I might not feel bold. But God, if you want me, I say yes. God, if you want to use little old me, I don't understand why. There's a lot of other people that look much better than me. But God, if you'll use me, I'll go. God, I'll go. I'll throw all my excuses aside. I want to be activated, God. I want to be fearless, God. I want to be a mighty warrior for you. So, God, I say yes. I answer the call today. I am a mighty warrior. I am a mighty warrior. Come on, if you came forward, I just want you to say it to the Lord. That's who I am. I'm a mighty warrior. I want you to begin to pray it over yourself. God, give me strength. Give me boldness. God, help me to be activated. Help me not to let fear prevent me any longer. But, God, I choose to move forward with you. I choose to not be held back any longer. God, I choose to throw my excuses away. I choose to be a mighty warrior for you. Help me to act like it. Help me to be bold. Help me to be brave. Help me to take risks. Help me to walk in faith. God, that we would be a church of leaders that stand up and say, follow my example. Follow me. When I look at my kids, I stop giving them examples of other people to follow, and I say, son, follow me. Follow your dad. Follow your mom. Follow us. We'll show you the way to the king. 
God, make us leaders for you. Make us bold for you. Give us that, that grit. Give us that, that tenacity to say, man, I'll tackle everything that comes my way. I'll tackle everything that comes my way. And God, every time we're on that phone and we're ready to give up, that somebody would reach through that phone and slap us in the face. Say, you're a mighty warrior. We never give up in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.